Welcome to Cycling New South Wales Heritage Commission's historical facts, myths and opinions on the development of the bicycle and the sport. In July 1883 at the Exchange Hotel in Sydney, the Sydney Bicycle Club called a meeting to consider the formation of the New South Wales Cyclist Union, which would go on to become Cycling New South Wales. Prominent long-distance cyclist, Mr J Copeland, was the chairman of a large group of over 100 cycling enthusiasts, including representatives from eight cycling clubs that would elect a president and a secretary to get New South Wales cycling up and running. This podcast looks at the history of the forming of New South Wales Cyclist Union with input from the current cycling chairman, Mr Peter Beaumont. Incidentally, it would be the politician, Mr James Martin, that was elected president and Mr H. McRae, the Honourable Secretary, to draft up a draft constitution which would be considered at the next meeting when officially New South Wales Cyclist Union was formed meaning that this month Cycling New South Wales starts its 135th year of managing the sport in this state. The early history of cycling in Australia is a subject of great debate. With no centralised or controlling body, the first competition in Australia was in the form of challenges and match races, as opposed to formal events or carnivals controlled by established rules. Many reports on these events are biased or incomplete due to the parties involved hyping up the news on the racing, hoping to maximise their personal return on their promotions. To run credible championships, the sport needed to develop a controlling body with some consistent rules to give the sport some credibility to consistently run championships from year to year. The evidence of specific cycling clubs in Sydney dates back as far as 1869 with the Sydney Velocipede Club. However, initially in the late 1860s, it was sports grounds, and specifically the Albert Ground in Redfern, that was the controlling the earliest racing in Sydney. There was little consideration for the development of the sport, as the Albert Ground was simply a money-making venture. With the sport in its infancy, the Albert Ground secretary simply ran the racing like a horse race, even giving the bicycles names. Other organisations such as football and cricket clubs and even Highland Games committees would quickly include cycling in their promotions throughout the 1870s to increase the interest and maximise their profit on sports days. Besides racing, cycle touring was a major part of early cycling, so the first bicycle club sprung up with quite a social feel. Regulation and affiliation wasn't high on their agenda. However, with racing becoming very financial and bicycle battling for acceptance in some circles, some of New South Wales bicycle clubs had to get more formal. It would be the Sydney Bicycle Club that would become the dominant cycling organisation in the state. They would host a very successful annual cycling carnival in the 1880s. However, the desire for a championship and an intercolony competition meant the centralised controlling body was needed. It was Victoria who were the first to get moving on formalising the sport. An amateur body called the Australian Cycling Union was formed on the 6th of February 1882. However, with the sport run around money to that point, this organisation would be under attack right from the outset. 
New South Wales was also quick to point out that the Australian Cyclist, Cyclist Union was actually the Victorian Union. And while clubs in Tasmania and South Australia considered joining the Australian Cyclist Union, New South Wales distanced itself. However, this was the least of the problems for the cycling union, the Australian Cycling Union, as it was under constant attack by its own Victorian members as it battled to bring amateur ideals and principles to the existing professional culture that existed in the state. However, we might talk more of the collapse of the ACU in another separate podcast. For in late November 1882, something happened in New South Wales that would unite the rival states. With the cyclists of Australia all coming together in Sydney in an unprecedented fashion to hail the arrival of one of the world's greatest ever cyclists, Dr H. L. Cordes. He arrived in Sydney from London on his way to Bathurst. Australia's most prominent cyclists and administrators were all in Sydney to greet the world record holder. With a special meeting, for, uh, a special meeting called of the Australian Cyclist Union to honour Dr Cordes. In keeping the celebrations to a minimum, Cordes inspired the colony cyclists by talking of the great potential of the sport. He even suggested that cycling would rival cricket in Australia in the future. Dr Cordes also added, to achieve its potential, he hoped the colony would follow in the footsteps of the English Cycling Union, whose policy had made it the strongest athletic association in England. The seed was sown, and although the existing Australian Cycling Union would battle and fold, trying to conform to the principles of British amateurism, the states would focus on getting their own cycling associations up and going. With Dr Cordes to later become a vice president in the New South Wales Cyclist Union, New South Wales in a great position to formalise cycling in their state. In July 1883, Mr J Copeland would chair a meeting to consider the forming of the New South Wales Cycling Union. Over 100 people attended a meeting at the Exchange Hotel, including eight clubs and a number of unattached riders. The meeting elected Mr James Martin president and Mr H McRae as the Honourable Secretary to consider the draft constitution and using the rules of the English Bicycling Union to provide the basis for the new cycling administrative body. An outstanding leader in early Sydney, Mr Martin was also a Member of Parliament and he would chair another meeting on the 14th of August 1883 where he adopted the constitution and the rules for forming the New South Wales Cyclist Union. Then on the 26th of August 1883, the union was formed with the announcing of the office bearers for 1883-84. President, Mr James Martin, Vice Presidents were Mr J Holsworthy, Dr Cordes, Mr A Lee, Secretary, Mr F Bladden and Treasurer, Mr H E McRae. There was also Mr G Moore and Mr Rugg that helped out with the Treasury and Secretary positions later in that term. Back in the day, uh, you had the executive running the sport and the council that were pretty much reviewing that executive's work. It's not unlike the position today, um, and could, maybe it's worthwhile just explaining uh, your role, how it fits in these days, and uh, how the whole admin team works at the moment. 
Yeah, great, uh, good, good question, a good observation. I would agree that what was going on back then resembles today, uh, where Cycling New South Wales uh, and the other states uh, enjoy what I call corporate structures, where we have an executive team led by a CEO who are responsible for the day-to-day running of the organisation, which is largely a membership organisation, uh, running and providing for services for, for the clubs, And the role of the board is a classical role, i.e. we make decisions around hiring and firing the CEO and at the same time working with him on on the strategy or him or her on the strategy. It is a little different to a corporate structure in that we have commissions, uh, the technical commission, the competitions commission, the women's commission, for example, and those commissions uh, are there to help the execution of our business and indeed the board directors sit in those commissions so they wear two hats if you want. They have a, a governance hat, classical board role, but at the same time they have to take that governance hat off at times and step into an executive role. Uh, that makes it challenging for them. So we have directors who, for example, you'll see standing on the side of a road being a commissaire, uh, you know, a very much an executive role, but at the other time they'll have to take that hat off and sit in a board meeting uh, and make uh, decisions as a director. Um, For my part, I tend to uh, mix the governance role as chairman with that of a participant, you know, in the D grade and C grade racing around the New South Wales, so I get to see what our organisation is doing from from the seat of a bike as opposed to standing on the side of the road being, being a commissaire or a volunteer in some other capacity. Things started to happen fast for the New South Wales Cyclist Union under James Martin's presidency. In its first year of operation, the clubs represented at that initial New South Wales Cyclist Union meeting, Sydney, Suburban, Wanderers, Redfern, Balmain, Dundon, Burwood and Goulburn were joined by other clubs such as Speedwell and Dubbo, Maitland, Newcastle, Singleton, Armadale, Gunning and Bathurst where the famous Dr Cordes and his brother William established a bicycle club. Martin was an excellent manager of people and clubs. However, conducting the racing proved more difficult. Modern-day cyclists forget that the roads at the time were made for horses, and importantly used by horses, therefore the surface was not suitable for cycling. Under Under Sydney's chief surveyors, Mountain and Richards, from the late 1870s to the turn of the century, there was a reluctance to introduce asphalt with many of Sydney's major roads wood-paved and still mostly macadamised, which is a different coating of stone on the top of the natural surface to waterproof it. With the top coating of classic macadamised road made of 50mm stones, it's hardly favourable to cycling. Meanwhile, um, Adelaide was experimenting with tar macadam in the 1880s, so it's not surprising that their cyclists were the fastest at the time. Amazingly, it was Bathurst and Newcastle that built the first partly asphalted cycling tracks in New South Wales. Clearly then, with the forming of the New South Wales Cyclist Union in 1883, Martin and the management team worked hard to get the Cyclist Union cinder track at the grounds of the Agricultural Society. 
However, sadly, it took more time than planned to get it prepared. And the first race meeting on the 15th of December 1883 was a flop due to the cinder track being not constructed correctly in accordance with the council. However, the following year, a cinder track at the Moor Park grounds would be presented for some very successful racing events. Yet access to a race venue would become a major issue for Mr Martin during his long reign at the New South Wales Cyclist Union. He believed the cycling union should take a more business-like approach to acquiring a venue, which was not a thought shared by the majority of the council. With a more conservative approach, we're happy just to work with local councils. In hindsight, the modern-day cyclists would, would really wish that the New South Wales Cycling Union listened to Mr Martin. In years later, Martin would continue to push further for the cyclist union's ownership of a Sydney cycling venue, being part of a very high-profile delegation in 1887 to the New South Wales Premier to get control of a cycling-specific venue in Sydney. The press at the time reported that Sir Henry Parks was very impressed with a case for a 12-acre cycling venue, but maybe more on that a little bit later. Yet away from this venue issue, racing was actually booming at the end of the Cycling Union's first year of operation, with new Union wheel races taking place at Newcastle, Gunning and Bathurst. Strangely too, with the formation of the Union, there was a general improvement in all cycling. Although the Union was concerned with amateur racing and the establishment of the League of Wheelmen was still almost a decade away, that's the pros, there was a significant increase in major professional cycling promotions, which had picked up their act and they were focusing on credible top-end competition. Certainly, 1884 was a great start for the New South Wales Cyclist Union due to the hard work by some very impressive sports administrators resulting in some top-class cycling action. The union-affiliated Sydney Bicycle Club's 1884 annual carnival was described as equal to anywhere in the world, with thousands of people turning up to watch it. Sydney would hold three state championships and the first intercolonial race meeting, where the union would start talks to hold the first national championships. Away from the racing, New South Wales Cycling Union had negotiated better rail rates for its members' bicycles and continued in discussions with authorities for quality cycling venues. Cycling in Australia was well on its way. After all these years, it's a bit of an honour to be uh, one of the chief administrators of the of this uh, administrative body, Peter. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And whilst I don't necessarily feel weighed down by the legacy of history, I'm, I'm very conscious of the need to, um, you know, continue this tradition and to keep the sport alive and well. That you know, myself and the directors, you know, are very conscious of that, and we're very aware of sports that have somewhat uh, disappeared from you know day-to-day activity. Um, I, I think it'd be fair to say that the challenges that presented themselves back in 1883, to some extent, haven't changed. Uh, we are still working very closely with government on getting what we need to keep our sport alive and well, and uh, just as 
back in those days, they were wrestling with things like infrastructure and getting access to tracks to participate uh, and run their sport. Those are exactly the same sort of things that are quite quite key to us. So perhaps you know the more things change, the more they stay the same. I think one thing we're really uh, conscious of as we sit around the board table and think about uh, how does our organisation go forward is that we see the club structures uh, or the club structures being a key differentiator. Um, and I noticed back then, very early on, we had the Sydney Bicycle Club, Burwood, Balmain, Goulburn, uh, and others, uh, Dubbo, Newcastle, etc. Uh, these are all clubs that are still operating. And you know, I would like to think, you know, 100 years or another 135 years later, they will still be uh, operating, perhaps bigger and, and stronger than ever before. I guess, though, as well, to uh, to keep existing through time, you have to be. Uh, able to bounce and uh, to move and change, and it, and your role, uh, oh well, sorry, cycling New South Wales role is a very diverse role, isn't it? And uh, yeah, we yeah. looked at um, one of the goals of the uh, of that first uh, New South Wales Cyclist Union in their first year was to um, get the train, uh, get the bicycles on the train, which is a <laughs> That's right. shows the diversity of the sport and and the diversity of your role as well. Yeah, and, and today we're not facing those challenges per se. You know, uh, uh, although you know some people would love to uh, get their bicycle on on the suburban train uh, a little more easily than they can today, we we are I think facing a, a challenge, for example, of making sure our structures remain relevant in today's society, where a lot of people participate in cycling in a in ways outside of what the current club structures offer. Uh, there are a plethora of sportifs and social riding opportunities that we as an organisation are increasingly trying to tap into and make sure our clubs offer members both a race experience and a recreational experience. And that, to some extent, is broadening the mandate of, of what clubs perhaps had to think about uh, only as little as 10 years ago when largely our entire membership 10 years ago, it was made up of racing cyclists. Today, that's just a 50-50 split between racing and recreational. And that is a fairly big change, but I would expect that uh, change will be a constant. And, and in the role that myself and the other directors have, we work with the executive team to you know, help steer the organisation through that change and remain you know, identifiably uh, as the peak cycling body in New South Wales, and that's the message we're constantly trying to hammer home to government. 